It's the Pistons Pod, presented by Uptime Energy Drink. Now here's your host, Matt Derry. And welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Pistons Pod right here at Pistons.com. Thank you for listening and joining us today as we recap All-Star Weekend, look ahead to the second half of the regular season as the Pistons will get back at it on Thursday night at Little Caesars Arena against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Evan Mobley and the Cavs. We just saw Evan Mobley and uh, Cade Cunningham, our own Cade Cunningham, together on Team Barry at the a Rising Stars Challenge on Friday night. Now, there'll be opponents on Thursday night at the LCA. Then Saturday afternoon, a noon start for the Pistons and the Celtics at Little Caesars Arena. And then Sunday night, Detroit will head on the road to face the Charlotte Hornets. It is indeed Matt Derry. It is indeed brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink. And our guest today, coming up in a minute here on the Pistons pod, Mark Kestisher, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, is called the play-by-play for the All-Star Game and all the events this weekend and We'll be on the headset, the voice of the play by and the play by play voice of the NBA Finals, Kesty, as he is known on ESPN. And many of you heard him over the weekend calling all the action. Will join me to recap what went on over the weekend. It was a very successful weekend, certainly for the Pistons. Three of them, Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart, and Sadiq Bay, taking part in the Rising Stars, Cha- uh, Rising Stars Challenge. It was very, very cool. Team Isaiah had Sadiq and Isaiah Stewart there. And they went up against Cade Cunningham and Team Barry in the finals. Cade got the team, his team, to the finals after 13 points in the first game. And then was the MVP of the Rising Stars Challenge. Five points, two rebounds, three assists in that championship game. And also knocked down the final four points, including the game-winning free throw as the game was a first to 25 as Team Barry got the trophy. And Cade, the first pick overall in the draft, and... The Pistons' uh, prized possession certainly was MVP of that game. And then on Sunday, of course, to see Dave Bang and Isaiah Thomas and Dennis Rodman uh, honored as some of the top 75 players of all time uh, was very, very cool as well. Just a great weekend all around in Cleveland uh, for the NBA, and certainly the Pistons well-represented. Cade also took part in the skills competition uh, on Saturday night as his team uh, uh, came in second place. But regardless, um, Cade in the spotlight, which was awesome to see, and uh, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, and other Pistons uh, taking part as well was fun. Now the focus is uh, finishing the season strong, the rest of the month of February, March, and then part of April, and then certainly get ready for a year three next year of this restore. But first things first, kind of rounding out this season, uh, getting some guys back and healthy, and certainly getting to see more of Marvin Bagley, who, of course, was acquired at the trade deadline by Troy Weaver. And hopefully soon we will catch up with Troy to get his thoughts on the second half of the season, the Pistons GM as well here on the pod. Here's my conversation with Mark Kestisher from ESPN. Right, as promised, our guest on the Pistons pod, a busy weekend for him, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, called the play-by-play for everything this weekend, the Rising Stars Challenge, the Skills Competition, Slam Dunk Contest, three-point shootout, and, of course, the game on Sunday night, the All-Star Game. It's our good friend Mark Kestisher, the voice of ESPN NBA Radio. What's up, Mark? Hey, Matt. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's my home away from home, Cleveland, Ohio, and my other home away from home uh, in an airport randomly somewhere trying to make my way back home. <laughs> Ironically enough, you and I are talking here on Monday and you are in Detroit, so I'm actually not that far away from you. Yeah, we're probably just a few miles apart and I've got the uh, Sky Club in Terminal A having a nice little lunch and uh, getting set to head home in about an hour or so. How was the weekend in terms of all the festivities and uh, um, wow, the, the Sunday event with the, the top 75 players was just incredible, huh? 
you know, I'm still trying to process everything, which is kind of weird to say. And, you know, we had interviews on our air from both LeBron James after the game and Steph Curry. You could even hear in their voices that they were trying to process it just from Sunday night. You know, the game was terrific, but the atmosphere surrounding the um, 75 all-time team and there were 45 members that were present. They all came out. And as we go on in years, because I was in Cleveland working in 1997 when they announced the All-50, and almost everybody was there. Now we've lost some members, and some are, you know, in their 70s and 80s. And then you've got, you know, folks from our generation who are now, you know, in their 50s and 60s, and some of the young guys uh, that went in yesterday. It was really cool to see them all interact and not want to leave the stage, even though the halftime was 45 minutes long. They they were like in a like in a party, and they just wanted to keep talking and especially when Michael Jordan came out, that kind of brought the house down. And I think everybody gravitated toward him on that stage. So it was just a really cool Sunday and a great way to finish off the weekend. You know, one of the great videos that is on Twitter and making its way around Twitter is somebody got a video of uh, Michael Jordan talking to Dennis Rodman up on the stage. And, you know, you can you can hear the audio clear as day. Michael said, when are you, you going to come hang out with me? I haven't seen you in a while. You can't really hear Dennis, but, you know, the Detroit connection is pretty cool with the Worm and certainly Isaiah and Dave Bing and, you know, plenty of Piston representation, certainly, in that top 75. Yeah, it was great to see uh, all those guys. And, of course, uh, you and I and the uh, Syracuse connection with, with Dave Bing. It was always awesome to see him in the building. Isaiah was very present. Um, obviously also working with NBA TV and on Friday night uh, with the two current Pistons who were on his team, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. So uh, there was a, a heavy Detroit representation and um, from all corners of the NBA. I mean, outside really of the dunk contest, which completely fizzled, uh, you know, most of the three nights were a terrific success. You know, look, people are going to complain because of weather, you know, in the northern part of the country. But outside of trying to get to Cleveland, uh, it was actually a terrific three days. Mark Hesses, you're with me, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, play-by-play voice of uh, all the events uh, this weekend. By the way, on this top 75, can can we shill a little bit for Joe Dumars? I I don't know. I, I, I look at it and go, man, how's Joe D, maybe Paul Gasol, Alex English not make that list? Yeah, it's really um, – we, we were going over that off the air last night, DJ Carlissimo and myself, because – 76 actually ended up getting in. They had a tiebreaker, so uh, they didn't have to break the tie. They just added another person. And, you know, look, there's a, a few young folks that you're like, all right, they may still need to put some years together to solidify this. And I remember when I was uh, in Cleveland the first time for the all-time 50, you know, there was a little bit of controversy on Shaquille O'Neal being put on that team. It was 1997. You know, he was in the beginning of his career. Clearly, he was a dominant big guy. But you're like, you better finish off that career. Otherwise, you know, why did we put him on this 50? That one turned out to be fine. But you're right there. You could question some of the younger guys that are on and also find guys that should have made the cut. And all I could hope for is um, when we get to, what, uh, 100 years? I think I'll still be around then. Maybe. Let's hope we're still around then that, you know, maybe some corrections can be made depending on you know, who will stay on this list and who may come off this list. You'll be around. Although, if you keep eating those dinners with P.J. Carlissimo, <laughs> you sounded like you were fed quite well this week, and you need to hit the treadmill when you get home. Yeah, my chances of making it 25 more years will take a hit after a full season <laughs> with P.J. We love P.J., but um, the man is amazing. He stays in great shape. Uh, I think he's on the Greg Popovich plan. They have some kind of snack, like around noontime, no breakfast, 
no dinner. And then after the game, it's like 11 p.m. and we've got like six or seven courses, uh, three bottles of wine, and maybe turn in around 2 a.m. So I don't know how he does it, but uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it by the time this <laughs> season's over. Kesty with me, Mark Kessischer from uh, ESPN and the NBA radio, of course, uh, the voice of all of the events this weekend. Are, are you on board with this cancel the dunk contest or change it? What are, what are we going to do? Because Saturday night, that was that was a struggle. Yeah, that was tough. Um, I You know, I think we could keep it, but we've been saying for the last few years, like I've been saying, people I've been working with on this show is, wouldn't it just make more sense to move it and not just move the dunk, but to position the three-point contest to the end, even if the dunk was decent? I think, you know, look, the league has become a three-point shooting league. Uh, we have we have the best three-point shooters in the world, including some of the best of all time, and it just lends itself to a good finish, you know, the the countdown from 70 seconds, the rack to rack, it's always, it usually always lives up to it. So maybe you move it, kind of stick it there in the middle, you tweak it so it's not as long. You'd love to get better, um, you know, better name dunkers in there, some more veteran guys, whatever, you know, that, that could be a whole discussion that we can come up with. But I just think moving it to another part of a Saturday would, for me, seems like that might be a, a temporary solution or a better solution. Pistons Pod brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink. Thanks for listening at Pistons.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking to Mark Kestisher. All right, Friday night Rising Stars Challenge. A sweet, you know, certainly a sweet maneuver for for Detroit to get Cade Cunningham. And, uh, and then he wins the MVP of this particular game. It's not like he put up a 20-point performance and it was three separate games and everything else, but hit the, the key shots late and uh, the free throw at the end. What would you think of Cade? And uh, how big of a boon is it for Detroit to have the Rising Stars uh, Challenge MVP? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's always good when you have a team that is, you know, starting to rebuild again and getting some good names. And, and you kind of see this pattern, as I have, you know, in the last 18 years covering these things, is it's great for the team those first couple of years, first, you know, rookie and sophomore years when they play. And then they're not eligible, you know, by the third year. And you're like, all right, is the team going to take off or not? But you like to see the seeds of it, and you're certainly seeing it. And Cade is just so smooth. I mean, you guys see it all the time. We saw him last year at Oklahoma State. I haven't really, I haven't had a chance to call him live till that night. But you know, I see him on League Pass all the time, and he does everything well. He's so calm, and you know, he got off to you know a little bit of a slow start, but here he is, you know, leading all rookies in scoring. And you know, uh, Isaiah Thomas puts together this beefy team that he had with Isaiah and Sadiq. And you just see the complete seeds of what's to come. I know this year hasn't been, obviously, wins and losses what folks had, you know, in mind. Perhaps, you know, they wanted to, uh, you know, show a little bit more in the wins and loss side. But that's also a blessing as well because uh, we'll see how these last 23, 24 games go. And maybe you position yourself for a really good pick. And there's a whole other crop of really good talent that's, uh, you know, still available and coming. And you can add another piece uh, to this growing Pistons team. You use the words cool and calm. You know, usually, you know, the, the players grab the headset after the game. They talk to you and PJ or whomever you're doing the games with. And um, But Cade, not, he doesn't act like a rookie, does he? No, he doesn't. He doesn't look like a rookie either. He doesn't look like he's 20 years old. He did last year at Oklahoma State, and we had a lot of conversations with Mike Boynton, his, uh, you know, one-year coach with uh, Oklahoma State and, you know, he knew him for a very long time, and he told us how special he was even last year. And you could see 
that, you know, he, for a guy who's on a team that's very young, that's, you know, sometimes one of the detriments of going to a team that's rebuilding. You don't necessarily have that guy to take you under your wing. And it's really up to you to be the self-starter and self-motivator. And from all accounts that we've heard, you know, he's had that kind of, I don't want to call it gene, but he's just very mature for his age and always was. And it's good to see that, you know, he'll go through these growing pains, all these outstanding athletes who end up as number one picks or number two picks, you know, they've never lost more than 10 or 12 games in a season. And, you know, now they may lose uh, 50 or 55 and that can take a mental toll. And then you have the rookie wall and all that, but he seems to be navigating it just fine. And, you know, he knows it's going to be a, a slow build and it looks like, you know, he's got the head on his shoulders and certainly the basketball talent to get through it. You mentioned earlier Sadiq Bay and uh, Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart. What do you think of those guys? And certainly for Stewart, he's kind of a throwback, kind of a Rodman Ben Wallace type. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's a big, thick body out there. You know, I had I had Beef Stew written down on my chart, and I don't think I ever got a chance to use it in the broadcast. <laughs> so I, I, I feel bad, you know, that I left that on the floor. Uh, Sadiq also is, um, you know, to me, I always liked him in his college years at Villanova. He performed well last year as a rookie. He's coming on right into the all-star break. He's a, he's a little bit more physical uh, as a defender than I guess, you know, even I realize because I don't get to see him every day. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of Sadiq Bey. And I thought that team, that team Isaiah, was going to win it all on Friday night. And they came awfully close. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, Isaiah is and Sadiq, both two really big bodies who have a lot of skill. And, and, and you look at it, like you said, with the Pistons, and they're not really calling it a rebuild. It's more of a restoration, as Troy Weaver has said. But it's going to it, it's gonna take some time, right? And and now the sudden, Kesty, the, the, the East is the best it's been in years, so it, it might take a little longer time. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, look, you look at Charlotte and what they did, I want to say rather quickly, but, you know, they got some good draft picks, and, uh, you know, they're in the mix now, and, even Toronto, I know that was a team that still has some pieces from their championship, so it's not a fair apples-to-apples discussion. But, you know, you start to break it down a little bit, you start to bring in some new people, and you navigate your way. Cleveland's probably a way better example than Toronto. Um, again, you know, Evan Mobley's turning out to be an outstanding pick at three or four, or wherever he was selected, and Darius Garland's finally coming through for them. And then you make a few trades, you know, perhaps, and you get a veteran guy there, and you're right, all of a sudden in the East, you've got a chance, but that does make it tougher uh, for the Pistons with all those teams in front of them. But, yeah, it's probably going to take, you know, look, I had great expectations of, you know, maybe being closer to a 500 team or five or ten games below 500, and it hasn't worked out that way for Detroit. But, you know, it can turn quick. Look at Atlanta. Look what they did last year. You know, Atlanta was always underachieving, and then all of a sudden it all just kind of fell together and they were able to make uh, their way to the conference finals. So you never quite know if it's in year two or year three, but yeah, a lot of patience is needed. What do you think of the pickup of uh, Marvin Bagley at the deadline? Uh, you know, a young guy that, that needed a change of scenery, and how do you think he'll fit in Detroit? Yeah, that's, you know, I think you hit it right on the head with change of scenery because I was always, you know, disappointed, um, you know, in his performance early in his career and, uh, you know, it's hard to put your finger on that. Like you said, injuries are certainly a huge thing. Um, you know, being on the wrong team, just the wrong place. It, it's amazing sometimes when you look at certain players who you had such high hopes for, and sometimes it's just bad luck of the draw. 
you end up going to the wrong team, a team that wasn't at the right time, maybe didn't have the right coaching or the right players involved, and you just kind of hit that fork in the road and go in the wrong direction. So maybe at this point in a very young spot in his career, you get to the right developmental spot, you get with the right coaches, you get healthy, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, things start to play for you. So, I, you know, I'm pulling for him, and, and hopefully uh, this will be the spot. Mark Kestisher with us, NBA and ESPN Radio, a lead play-by-play voice. Of course, it's called the NBA Finals over the last couple of years and was on hand for all the All-Star festivities. The Steph Curry thing on Sunday night, I mean, <laughs> you, you've called plenty of his games in deep threes, but that one, even in an All-Star game, was that next level? That was. It was the amount. Um, look, he's had more games with at least 10 three-pointers than anybody, not even close. It's not even close. I think he's had 22 of them, and Clay Thompson's next at five. So when he's sitting at like 13 or 14 midway through the third quarter, I'm like, he might get 20, which is ridiculous. And you're right. Like, he was taking his usual logo shot, and then he'd try it five feet back and go for like a 40-footer, and he hit that one. And then he could see he was setting up at half court. Like, he was going to keep going five feet back until he missed. And then he finally missed at half court, and it just seemed... It seemed destined. There, there were two points away from the win, so you're like, Steph Curry's going to break the record for most points in an All-Star game with 53 and win the game on a three-pointer, and it didn't happen. He took a couple of shots at it, and I think, you know, I, I didn't really read the, the post-game clippings, but it looked to me from where we sat, I mean, there was no doubt LeBron was looking for Curry. They were all looking for Curry. They knew he was going to be the MVP, and they knew what the record was, and they knew what he was doing at the three-point line but he was well defended and then he just kind of wheeled and fired and hit it. And that was a great alternate ending as well to have the guy who, you know, brought a championship to Cleveland, their first in the city of any sport in over 50 years. And, uh, you know, he throws down another, um, you know, one of those moments that you'll never forget, you know, even if it's an all-star game, that doesn't count. But uh, yeah, Curry was ridiculous last night. I don't, I don't think we'll see that amount of threes made. I shouldn't say that because Steph Curry's capable, and if Clay Thompson gets healthy, he is too. But that was that was just off the charts remarkable. Where do you think you'll be in June for the finals, if you had to predict right now between the uh, East and West, and, and who, will, who will be there for the best of seven, you think? Well, I have been saying all weekend that I will expect to be in Phoenix, at least for the West, and I think the Chris Paul news is a little bit troubling as you know, we found out last night that he may miss the rest of the regular season with this broken thumb, and you know he'll be back uh, for the start of the postseason. But between now and then, and it won't affect their ability, you know, to get to the postseason. But it's going to change things up. You know, will he stay in game shape? Can he get a hundred percent healed? Um, he's the life force of that team. I mean, they have a, a great you know Batman and Robin combination with Devin Booker, but uh, what he has done. Chris Paul to resurrect his career the last three years. I mean, he's back to his prime numbers and, you know, he's still in great shape and he's obviously the leader of that team and they're going to miss that. But I'm wondering if that's going to affect them, you know, in the postseason. But I still feel Phoenix is the spot and the East. I have no idea. No idea. I mean, Milwaukee, if they get healthy, I don't see why not. Brooklyn's in eighth place right now and they're in the midst of a horrendous slide. But I think you'd agree, Matt, that if Kevin Durant is healthy and Kyrie Irving's playing and maybe even playing every game if, you know, they make some vaccine mandate law changes in New York and now with the addition of Ben Simmons, would you 
bet against them to be, possibly it, make a run in the East? It'd be difficult, and I think uh, a Brooklyn-Philly final would be very entertaining. Oh. <laughs> it would be, and you're right. Philly's going to add James Harden to the mix, and I hate to step all over Miami and Chicago, who are the leaders in the conference. Cleveland's been the great story, but you know they're young. And then I always say, don't forget Boston. You know they they haven't even played anywhere near their capabilities except for the last couple of weeks into the All Star break. So I don't want to rule them out either. Mark, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, keep up the great work. I appreciate it, Matt, and I'm uh, going to get on that treadmill in about five hours <laughs> and see if I got a chance maybe to lose an ounce or two. Oh, my goodness gracious. The, the late-night <laughs> dinners with uh, with PJ and our buddy uh, Detroit's own Al Rosenberg, I'm sure. So no one better that's than right. Al. Al. Al making us sound great. Always makes me sound better than I am. I love it. Oh, man, that's awesome. Thanks, Kesty. You got it, Matt. Thanks. There is Mark Kestisher with us, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio Call. The All-Star Game will be the voice, of course, of the playoffs and hear all the Sunday games and the NBA Finals coming up. Joining us to recap, uh, certainly Cade Cunningham and the Pistons and, of course, the All-Star Game. We're back next week with another edition of the Pistons Pod right here at Pistons.com, brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink. We'll talk to you again next week.